This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome into Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you, as I am for new episodes every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, ripodcast.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Today, we welcome back to B-Town Rhode Island General Treasurer Seth Magaziner for a discussion on the upcoming special election. We've got seven bond questions on the uh, on the slate for the March 2nd special election here in Rhode Island. So we go through that, plus get into the General Treasurer's future. You know, look, his name has come up time and time again for years as somebody who will be a gubernatorial candidate come 2022. So I ask him about that. I ask him about how the rise of Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee to incoming governor has affected that in some way, shape, or form. It's a fairly fast-paced conversation with one of Rhode Island's state office holders, something we love to do here on B-Town. By the way, always great to hear from you out there. Send me an email anytime, bill at ripodcast.com, and you can text me as well if you'd like, 401-524-6825. So we're off to a pretty incredible start here in season four. And look, the numbers have grown quite a bit. I know that's largely because you've been out there um, telling people about the podcast and sharing it on social media. Probably doesn't hurt to have the Rhode Island Monthly article as well that's out there this month. <laughs> you know, that'll that'll drive in some, some, new, some new ears to the program. But um, it's been just awesome to be able to see how much we've grown, not only since the beginning of, uh, of B-Town back in 2018, but really just in the last few months as word has started to spread and, and we're starting to reach more and more people. So thank you if you've shared an episode or you know left a rating on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. It's greatly appreciated as we make our way through what will hopefully be a year of triumph, right, <laughs> here in 2021. Now, if you missed Friday's episode from last week, it was the launch of a vertical series we're going to do here on B-Town on coastal access in Rhode Island. And it's something that is really a personal issue to me, but I think is also something that should be a priority for every Rhode Islander. It's an equity question. It's a constitutionality question. It really is an issue that is worth everyone's time and attention. So I highly recommend you go back and check out last Friday's episode on coastal access. And again, we're going to be exploring that all throughout 2021 here on the pod and maybe even over on the TV show Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Rhode Island PBS. Okay, let's get right to it right now. Rhode Island General Treasurer Seth Magaziner back on B-Town. All right, so special election. You know, we're hearing a lot about question three. That seems to be kind of the, the big question that that's floating around. Also, the arts question in general, though. You've been a strong advocate for investing in the state. I mean, it makes sense. And there's people who are going to argue, well, you know, from a fiscally conservative perspective, we're coming out of the pandemic. We're looking at revenue shortfalls potentially. So kind of set up the, your advocacy, I suppose, for for the bond questions that, that are going to be more on the ballot for March 2nd. Absolutely. And thank you, Bill, for having me. And thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Um, in times of crisis, we need to go big. Like we are in a crisis. We're in a health crisis, an economic crisis. You know, we've we've been through a very uh, divisive year politically, and in big moments, we as a state need to step up and be bold. And that is why you know, since early in the summer, I've been advocating for a large bonding package to put Rhode Islanders back to work, create jobs in the state, and make our state more economically competitive over the long run. And we have an opportunity to do that now. 
uh, in this special election with these seven bonds, we have the opportunity to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in projects that will create jobs in the short run and improve our economy and our quality of life over the long run. So, you know, we can go through the list, but certainly building more affordable housing. Like there is a housing shortage in this state. Uh, housing prices are way too high. Uh, we can put a lot of people to work building more affordable housing, uh, improving the quality of our green space and parks and beaches, jobs in the short term, positive impact on our quality of life over the long run. Uh, modernizing our facilities at our state colleges. Jobs in the short run will help our economy over the long run. Same with transportation, same with the arts, which have been hit especially hard uh, by this pandemic. Um, same with our port. So this is really good core economic stimulus that the state desperately needs. And that's why I'm spending a lot of my time over the next month campaigning uh, to anyone you know who will listen vote yes on all of them because we need it and uh and we can have a stronger recovery in the short run but also set ourselves up economically over the long run by voting yes yeah and there's also obviously a social justice component to this as well particularly again going back to the housing bond but it's sort of a, a multi-piece from what i can tell it's a it's there's a lot of pieces there's the, the social justice element there's playing into the the blue economy element when you yeah. talk about ports and giving that identity to Rhode Island. And then on the art side, where we've got certainly in Providence, the creative capital mantra and, and so much that happens in Newport all over the place in terms of attracting arts. So it's, it's I guess it's giving Rhode Island an identity that or, or building on the identity that's sort of already been established while at the same time trying to take care of not only the most vulnerable, but, but there's a lot of people who are unable to find lowercase a affordable housing right now. Absolutely. And I think you hit on a couple important points there. The blue economy one is huge because that's an area where we, as, where we as a state have both a strong legacy to build off of and also uh, can be a competitive differentiator for us compared to a lot of other parts of the country going forward. But there's also a, a theme that runs through a lot of this, um, a lot of these bond proposals that has to do with transitioning Rhode Island to a cleaner, more carbon free economy and making us more resilient in the face of climate change. So the, the port bond, for example, uh, uh, which is question seven, uh, $60 million to upgrade the port at Davisville, a lot of those upgrades are going to be to accommodate the offshore wind industry and make Rhode Island a staging area for building an offshore wind so that as we do that, and as we transition more of our electric uh, supply to renewable, those jobs uh, to do that are in Rhode Island instead of in other places. Um, you know, similarly in the green bond in question two, there is a big uh, climate resilience component to that. The Narragansett Bay has risen six inches in just the last 30 years, and we need to upgrade our municipal infrastructure to prepare for further sea level rise, extreme weather events, et cetera. So uh, you correctly note there's a social justice component to many of these bonds. There's also a climate and environmental resiliency uh, aspect to a lot of them as well. I'm surprised that questions surrounding, you know, you, you can even go e extrapolated less than, so to speak, uh, climate change, but just the notion that parts of Providence could be underwater, parts yeah. of Block Island and Matunic will fall into the sea. This seems apolitical 
And I always have a hard time understanding why, from a, even just a conservationist perspective, more people don't just say, okay, this is this needs to get done. Yeah. And, and you know, not only coastal areas too, but inland areas. Remember when we had the big floods in Rhode Island back in 2010? Sure. Uh, perhaps the community that was most impacted was West Warwick, um, you know, because of, uh, you know, basically the lack of um, topsoil and like permeable surfaces. And so there are parts of West Warwick that were below 10 feet of water. And so, um, you know, this is something that impacts the entire state, not just the coast. And I think uh, another thing that you were alluding to is, you know, if we don't act now, it's just going to be more expensive to fix all this stuff later once it does flood and break. <laughs> so right. it's actually from a, from a, you know, from an economical point of view and a cost effectiveness point of view, it, it's much more cost effective to make our infrastructure climate resilient now than to wait and do it when the next big flood comes. Yeah, I remember I was in New York at the time of the the 2009 or 10 floods and my parents' basement got totally, literally filled with water in Charlestown. But I remember for some reason going north and and entering Warwick, West Warwick, and there being National Guard troops like on the highway or something like that. They have this memory of being being diverted away from inland flooding in Rhode Island. And that was expensive and it showed a certain vulnerability that I hope we've move to correct, but we probably haven't fully adapted yeah. to yet. Yeah. So that is an aspect of, of question two, which I think is an important one. And it's really just the beginning of what needs to be a much larger focus in our state on, on making our infrastructure more climate resilient, which again, creates jobs in the short run, saves us money over the long run. And, you know, is, is just something we have to do. I take you inside breaking news and the biggest stories of the day impacting Rhode Island on Instagram at Bartholomew Town, Twitter at Bill Bartholomew, and inside the Bartholomew Town Podcast Facebook group. What do you say to people that that are concerned about green energy ideas, broadly speaking, taking away jobs or 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 you know, we hear this, oh, that's gonna send jobs away from the United States. I mean, yeah. how do you how do you package that? So just Last week, uh, we had uh, an announcement that I was very excited about. There's a new uh, coalition of environmental groups, labor unions, and a handful of elected officials that has come together that, that I'm a part of uh, that is focused on this very issue. How do we have a transition to a green economy in Rhode Island that um, is additive to good paying jobs, not subtractive, and that has pathways, particularly for those workers who, um, you know, are in declining industries like the fossil fuel industry. How do we make sure that they have strong pathways to get retrained and to get placed into jobs in the new economy that pay as well and have good benefits? And also making sure that we have um, clearly defined pathways for lower income communities and communities of color uh, to have an entry point into those new um, uh, industry, green industries as well. So this is a new coalition that just came together, you know, over the last month or so, and to explore that very issue, to make sure that as we have this transition to a green economy, that it is a transition that is good for local jobs. And part of that is, is we need to be purposeful about it. Uh, we need to have training programs that recruit specifically you know, work with the unions to recruit people who are coming out of these, you know, declining industries, work with 
frontline communities and communities of color to get the word out and be really purposeful in how we design those. Um, you know, the it's it's no secret in Rhode Island politics, right, that the labor community and the environmental community have not always seen eye to eye in recent years. Yep. And so the fact that we were able to bring together leaders from both groups to start to have these collaborative conversations to develop a roadmap, uh, I find very exciting. Yeah, the future's coming, whether you like it or not. I mean, that's just the way. It, right. It, it we seems all like, got to prepare for it. Exactly. Unless, unless we're entering a time space atmosphere that we've never known about or experienced before here where we go back it in seems time unlikely but after 2020 who knows <laughs> exactly speaking of 2020 how is the state doing in layman's terms f- fiscally are we in a position now that we've we've weathered the storm of of covid impacting revenue streams and in, in the taxation component in in other revenue generators where we're in a reasonably good place or are we in trouble we still have a significant budget deficit. Um, and, you know, as of the revenue estimating conference back in October, we were looking at, you know, a 400 million or so dollar deficit. Some things have gotten better since then and some things have gotten worse. Um, you know, on the better side, I think the prospect of democratic control of Congress and the White House means maybe we will finally get some more federal help to help with our, our budget deficit. Um, I'm in touch with you know the Biden administration and others and encouraging them to stay strong on that point and do not let the Republicans in Congress water that down. Um, but we've also had some other news that is more difficult, makes things more difficult. So for example, um, the announcement that the uh, small business relief from the federal government for, sm- uh, for small businesses in the PPP program, the um, Paycheck Protection Program, uh, that'll be tax exempt. That's a good thing for small businesses and the right thing to do. But that will be another hit to the state budget um, because that will not be taxable income. So there still are bottom line. There are still a lot of moving pieces. There's still a lot of uncertainty about how big the deficit actually will be. And my guess is that uncertainty will continue for most of the spring. Um, longer term, going forward. I think we have an opportunity to have a strong economic recovery in Rhode Island if we make good decisions. And so to me, that means certainly voting yes on all the bonds. It means um, doubling down on workforce training so that workers that have lost their jobs permanently because those jobs aren't coming back have an easy way to get retrained, get new credentials, you know, get into career pathways that are real and sustainable. Um, you know, the example that I use is back in normal times, you know, when I was working in the state house every day, once a week or so, I'd go to the Panera Bread at the Providence Place Mall, uh, for, you know, to pick up lunch. And there were three workers, uh, you know, three uh, uh, people, che- you know, at the checkout line behind three uh, cash registers. You go there today, uh, there's one person working behind three tablets. And unfortunately, those other two jobs probably aren't coming back. Yeah. Right. And so we need to make sure that for those other two workers, there are good career pathways available to them uh, to get retrained and to get replaced in the workforce. Um, one policy that would help facilitate that, that is not an expensive one, is Rhode Island Promise should be expanded to all age groups. Like 
I was very glad to see that the General Assembly is moving forward on making Rhode Island Promise permanent, um, but it only applies right now to uh, students who I believe are under the age of 26. Um, you know, that 40-year-old laid-off Panera worker should be able to go back to community college for free, get a new credential so that they can get a good job. So we have the opportunity, I think, to have a strong economic recovery in Rhode Island once the vaccine rollout is, is more fully complete but we have to be aggressive about it and we have to be purposeful about it. We are on the heels of the campaign finance reports coming out and you're certainly someone whose name has been floated or suggested or however you want to put it as someone who would be a gubernatorial candidate in 2022. Um, I'm sure you're not going to make an announcement right now of any kind, but you know, looking forward, any comment on that and, with incoming Governor Dan McKee about, you know, Lieutenant Governor McKee about to become governor unless something completely out of, from outer space happens uh, yeah. with respect to Governor Mundo's confirmation to Commerce Secretary. What are your thoughts going forward on your own career? Well, my thought is that the best thing I can do for Rhode Island right now is do everything that I can from the Treasurer's office to help our state have a strong recovery. You know, we are in a crisis you know, in times of crisis, leaders need to step up and seize the moment and do everything they can to help people. So my focus right now is on doing everything I can from the treasurer's office to help get the state past COVID and to help tee us up for a strong economic recovery um, uh, as we head into the, uh, the next year. Um, you know, as far as uh, the outside the office stuff goes, I mean, I, I'm certainly very gratified and flattered that, you know, so many people have, have sought to support us. Um, you know, I'm told that we raised uh, the most uh, of any state level official uh, in Rhode Island by quite a bit last year, which um, you know, is very gratifying. But to be honest with you, what I'm most focused on is is making sure that we do everything we can from the treasurer's office to, to help the state. Um, we're in a crisis. We all need to step up. We have a duty to the people of Rhode Island in this moment. And that's what I'm focused on. Legacy will be, I guess, the most valuable currency going into 2022. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's, that's messaging's important, of course, but you know, we're in a, we're in a period now where it's like, what did you do during this disaster? And people will certainly look to that. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, not just in 2022, but 40 years from now, you yeah, know, right? Yeah. People will be looking back and wanting to know what each of us did to help the state uh, in this time of crisis, and. You know, we got to leave it all out on the field. Um, there's a lot of Rhode Islanders who are hurting, but there's also, as I said before, there's an opportunity to have a strong recovery if we make good decisions. Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town.